Hook them up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Rolling on with Nick Shuley hanging out. Rod Babers is uh, doing daddy duty, which is great. He and his wife had a baby last night. So excited for them. Can't wait to hear it. See some pictures. I need, I'm excited. Every, we've gotten some texts this morning. When you get on a text chain, I had a whole group of neighborhood guys. I don't, I'm not a fan of text chains, Nick Shuley. Are you? I mean, you got to be on them, I guess. we got like 15 guys. It's a bunch of the golf guys. Who's playing golf today? What's our tee time? All this kind of stuff. But then they get talking about stuff and stuff. And my phone's just like blowing up. Like, Oh, you got to mute them. You got to You got to do that? It. Yeah, so it doesn't give you the the update. I have quite a few conversations where it's just muted, where I'll check it when I want to. I guess I shouldn't say that. How do you air. mute them? Uh, that you go into the group and there's a way to like kind of mute it. So it just doesn't give you the alert. It still comes in. But oh, I it got doesn't you. give you the alert. Yeah, I have a deal. I have it set to where I, I get a phone call from someone who's not in my contacts. So I don't, it doesn't ring. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it'll, it'll show up. As That's what you need to do. Or, yeah. Just take that group and put them on mute, and that way you just check it whenever you want. And check start talking about random stuff to yeah. politics, sending around a picture of some pretty girl. I don't know. You don't know how that goes. Right. <laughs> By the way, our man Tom McKay over at Audio Visual Consultations, great partner of ours, says uh, with the guy who sent the topless picture of his wife to the entire family after their honeymoon, uh, while on their honeymoon, including his family, uh, Tom said, who would really care? It was a topless photo, not a sex tape. You can see those every day everywhere. If she has nice you-know-whats, then they, they should all high-five them. I, 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 get your, I get your point, Tom. And make love to whoever the hell you want. <laughs> yeah. I just don't know. I know my wife, and I know um, most females I know would not be fans of that happening. They would not. They would, like, it would be, I mean, they'd get over it, but it would not be good in the moment. It would yeah. kind of ruin the honeymoon. Yeah, she doesn't want her dad seeing that pic. Like, yeah. yeah, you said. Although her... it could be way worse, I will say oh, that. I agree. Worse. I agree with the right. with the texture. The it original could be way story worse. headline. I was thinking, oh man, this could get really. Oh, bad. I thought it was gonna be brutal. Yes, no, it, it, that's as good as it can be. You can for recover the basic from. You can recover from that one, because especially because if it was like eight photos and one of them just happened to be that or something, but like something else, like you can't recover from that. I, I know. <laughs> you know, Tom's got his own opinion. That's what we all have. That's great. But I'm just saying, not only would my wife be furious <laughs> on the honeymoon. Can you imagine? My mom would be so disappointed. Like, what are you? Eh, eh, eh. I mean, it, it is the honeymoon, though. I mean, I know it goes on to be expected. But it just depends on how much it's like. Are there kids in the family? My brothers. <laughs> my brothers now all have these pictures of my wife. It would not be good. My brothers just... used to intentionally walk in on me when I was in high school. What? Bust open the door. That's like, oh, look at you. <laughs> they got a show growing up. I could. I mean, I, you know me. I, I start. I start. Uh, putting together all the third and fourth level effects of this picture and like who all got it and then what are they going to do with it and what jokes are going to come back years down the road at Christmas it'll be time. funny eventually yeah but you know it'll always be used against you it'll, they'll always be because unless you have brothers but that's what family's brothers. for using that's things what against family's you for. but it, <laughs> that's not help with your relationship with her because you're the dope that screwed it up and sent the picture to the wrong people Ugh. right I and mean, that's your your bad that's your bad and it's that your your family can react out that. It's about how she's going to react on your honeymoon. Fair. And and you sent the picture to her dad. Ugh. Potentially, yeah. That's just saying, y'all. That there's some second and third and fourth level effects of that thing that uh, maybe you're not paying attention to, Tom. Can we uh, switch some gears? Coming up, we'll talk some some football. Uh, we'll try to get some recruiting thoughts on the Longhorns after landing the number one offensive line prospect, tackle prospect in the country. Also, before the end of the. Uh, 
the show. We'll get the uh, best waiver wire pickups you need to pick up. Today's Tuesday, Ty, uh, Ty and uh, Nick. you got to pick up your, your fantasy football players on Tuesday after. And typical start for me, we have the second most points in our league, and we're one and two. One and two. Jeez. Scoring points like crazy. We're getting outscored. And uh, we're getting screwed on this deal, but that's fantasy football. We'll make we'll it's, make it's it work. National Devin A Chain Day, I believe. This will be the day. National everyone, Devin A Chain Day. Everyone I love that. picks up A Chain today. <laughs> National Devin A Chain Day. But wait, wait. Um, we're gonna we're gonna. So our next guest is my buddy Mike Craven from uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football, the senior writer. He used to be with uh, the Austin American Statesman. He's a lifelong Austinite. Uh, grew up going to Texas football games, and we record a podcast every week. Two a week where we talk all things Texas football. It's called Eyes on Texas Football and the Multicast. Uh, it'll drop today. We recorded it last night to review the Baylor game, start looking forward to the Kansas game. We'll also record one coming up on Thursday that will come out on Friday right ahead of the big game. It's and, awesome. And he, thank, thank you very much. He is Mike Craven, a uh, big part of why the podcast is awesome. He's the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Mikey, how are you? You're headed down to uh, Bearcat land today, correct? No, not until Thursday. They uh, start their conference uh, play on Thursday at Bauer Stadium. It'll be their first ever FBS game at home. So excited about it. Yeah, that's Sam Houston State now joining the uh, top or top tier of college football, making it 13 teams. Now, Craven, you told me last night on our conference that, that Devin A. Chain now has a new pronunciation of his name. Is that right? I mean, you were the first one that I heard that from, but we've been calling him A. Chain since he was in high school, but apparently that's not right. Yes, A. Chan. Apparently. Um, And what's funny is, like, I've been covering him since he was 16 years old. I swear that's how he used to pronounce his name. So I don't know if it's a a new pronouncement or maybe just getting older and a little bit more comfortable, uh, you know, telling people that they're pronouncing his name wrong. But it's H-Han after their big, big, uh, after his big game on Sunday. Yeah, 260. And now he's the waiver wire pickup in fantasy football today for everybody. So it's H-Han. But, yes, um, gosh, I'm trying to think. You know, it's funny. When the Astros had Roy Oswalt. Um, you know, kind of the same thing. Roy Oswalt came through the Astros organization as a pitcher. Uh, he's out of Mississippi, like small town of Mississippi, and he, you know, became a great player for the Astros. Uh, but he was called Oswalt all the way through. Uh, everybody, and he didn't correct anybody. It was Oswalt, Oswalt. And then when he finally made the major leagues, his grandma or somebody in his family in Mississippi heard what they were calling him, and he called, they called Roy and said, Roy, why are you letting them pronounce our name wrong? We're, we're Oswald. So what are we doing? Uh, and that's when he changed it. That, maybe that happened here with uh, with Devin. Yeah, maybe some family member got got with him and said, "Hey, you know, you're making some money now. Make them call you by by your correct last name." Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, Mike, you were at the game at Baylor. Uh, you saw Texas up close. Uh, you know, give us give us your thoughts. You also said to us on the multicast last night. Uh, the crowd was the real deal before they started flooding the exits when Texas took over. But that was a, a big environment for Texas to walk into, much like the Alabama game, just not as large. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a fun crowd. You know, it was the last game that's going to be played there, you know, for Texas against Baylor in, in a long time, maybe ever, 113th meeting. So, you know, the Baylor students showed up. The Baylor fans showed up. I mean, there was a lot of burnt orange in the stands. So it, it felt like a really cool uh, conference game, one of those you're kind of sad that you're losing. But, you know, once the, the game got going, it was pretty obvious who the better team was. I mean, Texas was dominant on the offensive line, dominant on the defensive line. I actually watched the first series from the from the floor level, from the field level, uh, and you could tell right away Baylor just had no answers for that defensive line, and that continued throughout the game. No question. And uh, overwhelmed Baylor and really could have scored more if they needed to. Uh, from the field level, and then when you went to the press box, your thoughts on uh, on Quinn Ewers? I mean, you, you and I, and I think everybody's agreed that the ceiling for this Texas team is going to be Quinn Ewers, 
and his development as a consistent quarterback. What did you take from the performance on Saturday? Yeah, I thought he looked really good. I think he's he's played really well on the road twice now throughout the season, so I, I think that's a, a good sign. It feels like him and Sark are, are more on the same page, which is to be expected, right? I mean, that last year was their first year to really work together. Now they've had a full off season with Quinn being entrenched as the starter. It feels like Sark knows what Ewers does well, maybe what Ewers doesn't do so well and kind of hides that a little bit. Uh, overall, it felt like a very mature performance from the Texas football team, and I think that's true for, for Quinn as well. Nine touchdowns zero interceptions. He doesn't have to be Trevor Lawrence. He doesn't have to be, you know, five-star, tremendous quarterback all the time. Uh, he just has to get the ball to, to his guys' hands. I mean, Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, J.T. Sanders, like you just you just got to get the ball in those guys' hands and let them go do a bunch of stuff. And it feels like he's starting to take the pressure off himself to be an, you know, elite superstar and just being a, a good quarterback who, who makes the right plays. And I think that's what Texas needs from him. Yeah, uh, and if he can give you that, and then again, if this team doesn't turn the ball over, which that was frustrating with the punt returns and the punt drops and muffs, but if they don't turn the ball over, the way they play defense and the weapons they have, they're going to be really, really hard to beat. They've had a 21-point quarter in all four games this year to create separation. That's explosive on top of uh, really talented. Uh, we'll see with this Kansas game. We'll talk about that coming up. But uh, uh, Mike, uh, Mike Craven is with us, senior writer Dave Campbell's Texas Football uh, around the state a little bit. I saw where Texas A&M's Connor Wiegman is going to likely miss two to four weeks with a high ankle sprain. How big of a blow is that for Jimbo Fisher's team who got off to a good conference start with that win over Auburn? Yeah, it's a big blow. You know, I, I think Wiegman was playing as good, if not better, than any quarterback in the SEC. I know that's not a high bar this year, but I, I think that's what gave A&M a chance in the West. Alabama's down. LSU's lost a game. Uh, nobody else in that conference looks all that great except for Georgia right on the east side. So, you know, it felt like with Wigman and with the offense, you know, A&M, you know, averaging, I think they're in the top 30 in scoring offense this year. They've already put up, you know, half as many points as they did all of last year. So the offense had gotten better and better. Uh, Matt Johnson's a serviceable quarterback. He's played SEC football. He's started for A&M. He started for LSU. Uh, I think with the weapons around him, a lot like Quinn Ewers, he doesn't have to be uh, this tremendous first-round draft pick quarterback, you know, for A&M to have success. For the Aggies, it's about their defense. Their defense played really well. Against Auburn, I think that was more about the Auburn offense than anything. Uh, so I think A&M is still going to score points with Max Johnson at quarterback. I, I believe in Bobby Petrino's offense that much. Uh, but it's about the defense. If they can stop the run, if they're able to get pressure, uh, they have an insanely talented defensive front. Uh, but that doesn't always show up on tape. They have seven sacks against Auburn. If they can continue to play like that in the front seven, they're going to be pretty good. Okay. Uh, interesting to see them navigate. And Max Johnson, as you said, not a bad quarterback. Uh, back on Texas, Mike, the uh, the Longhorns, you've grown up watching this team your whole life. Um, you, you know, as you, we've told the story on the multicast, your grandfather was the team doctor for Texas. He so used to go to practice and uh, tag along with Grandpa growing up, uh, back even when when Bucky was the coach in there at UT. So you've seen a lot. Uh, you also covered Jatavion Sanders in high school. Uh, how good can this guy be as far as a, an all-time tight end for the Longhorns, all-time weapon in Texas history? Yeah, I mean, I can't think of, of many that are better, you know, even going back to, like, the Keith Cash days, right, like back back in those those times. You know, he's he's extremely talented. He was a, a five-star prospect for a reason. What I love about the J.T. Sanders story, and I kind of talked about this a little bit on Twitter, when he was coming out of Denton Ryan, he was supposed to be the heir apparent to Joseph Osai at defensive end. You know, all the coaching staff thought he was going to end up at defensive end. I think all the recruiting writers thought that he was going to end up at defensive end. You know, we just look at football and you know your upside in terms of draft picks and your value is more as an edge rusher than maybe as a tight end. 
Instead, J.T. Sanders bet on himself. He wanted to play offense. He wanted to have the ball in his hand. He wanted to score touchdowns. Uh, he bet on himself to do that. He kind of took that redshirt year. I mean, it wasn't really a redshirt year, but it basically was uh, as a freshman there to kind of learn the position, to learn how to be an inline blocker, to, to be a, a real third, third, three down tight end. And now he's emerged into a world where, you know, with Jason Kelsey and how that position is changing in the NFL, that's all of a sudden uh, this really sexy position where you can go in the top 15, you can go in the top 20. There's multiple tight ends drafted in the first round. And so to see him uh, come out on the other side, you know, and bet on himself and, and win that bet and, and look like a future first-round draft pick has been great for him. And I think it's really unlocked the Texas offense. Like, as a defense, when you can have the same personnel on offense and go into, like, three or four different sets or three or four different packages – uh, that makes it impo- impossible for the defense. And I think that's what J.T. Sanders really does for Coach Sark is he allows them to keep the same personnel on the offense while being so multiple, and that really puts the defense in a bind. Yeah, well said. I mean, that's he, he doesn't have to leave the field, and you can change the pieces around him, and he is the uh, the consistent uh, you know problem for a defense. Uh, Jatavion Sanders have to a huge start to this season and given nightmares uh, to defensive coordinators, including Kansas this week. Uh, big stretch here for them, Mike. I mean, four and zero Kansas, then five and zero Oklahoma, or likely five and zero Oklahoma. Safe to say, as we talked about last night, this this next two weeks will kind of define the ceiling, big picture for this Texas team. What can they be? Yeah, I mean, they get through the next two weeks, and we're talking about an undefeated season and a birth into the college football playoff. I mean, I, I think that I think Texas fans are already secretly starting to look at it that way, uh, but I think nationally. If they can get through Kansas, and more importantly, if they can get through Oklahoma, all of a sudden, you know, they're 6-0, and and there's not much in front of them that can stop them, right? So uh, it does feel in a lot of ways that the only thing that can stop Texas is Texas. Uh, what is benefit or what, what seems to be working behind the scenes is they're all saying the right stuff. You know, that, the, the week before Oklahoma used to be the big bugaboo, even in the Matt Brown era. That was the one you always kind of worried about the team overlooking and maybe dropping one they shouldn't right before the, the Red River game. I think it helps that this team is full of a bunch of guys who were young players when Kansas came in there and beat them in overtime. You know, that seems to be kind of a carrot for this team that's keeping them focused and in tune for, for week, uh, week five here. But, yeah, they get through these next two, and uh, I think everything that we're quietly kind of thinking in our heads as possible becomes an out loud conversation. Yeah, the only two ranked teams outside of Texas in the Big 12 are coming in the next two weeks, Kansas and OU. You win those games, watch out. And, of course, you'd be going into your bye week after that. Mike, uh, you cover the entire state, but it's not going great for a lot of teams in this state. Uh, Texas Tech's off to a rough start. We saw Baylor and how they plummeted. Um, you know, we've got issues around uh, around the Big 12. What what team you – because know, we also talked about TCU and their, their miserable performance against Colorado. They've played better since, and I know you've seen TCU in person. Do you think they're the third best team in this conference behind Texas and OU? Probably so. I mean, it's TC or Kansas State. I still, I still think Kansas State's a really good team that's going to be uh, really hard out in conference play. Chris Kleiman's just such a good coach. I, I think TCU is getting better and better. I mean, they lost so much uh, from last. It was a, it was a tough week one, right? Like that roster was almost brand new. I mean, at least in terms of like starting frontline players, they lost their best player at literally every single position group on the football field. And you combine that with not knowing anything about what Colorado was going to be. You know, I think week one was tough for them, obviously. It looks like Chandler Morris is starting to figure it out more at quarterback. I think that has to do with Kendall Bryles, the offensive coordinator, starting to figure it out a little bit more in terms of what Chandler can do and what Chandler can't do. I don't think we talk about the relationship between 
OCs and quarterbacks enough and how that could impact a program. So they're starting to play better and better. You know, that defense is still a question mark for me. I mean, they were so bad against Colorado. I don't know if they've been tested completely yet, so I'd like to see them play a better offense before I say that they're back. But I do think with the Big 12 looking the way it is, you know, TCU, Kansas State are, are kind of the biggest uh, roadblocks for Texas beyond Oklahoma, Kansas. All right. Uh, and you're headed down to Sam Houston to see Sam Houston, and you're going to be at the Texas game against Kansas on Saturday. Mike Craven, uh, Dave Campbell's uh, senior writer there, Dave Campbell's magazine, and online at uh, Dave Campbell's, the great digital department there. Mike uh, Lubbock, what's going on with uh, Joey McGuire's team? Tyler Shuck now has a broken leg. They're off to a, a 1-3 start, lost to West Virginia. You know, they and Baylor are trending in poor directions, but kind of different. Dave Aranda's in year four. Joey McGuire maybe the uh, the natural comeback to earth in year two. Yeah, a little bit of a sophomore slump there in Lubbock. You know, I think it's a combination of the expectations getting a little too high. Uh, and then also just the, you know, the offensive line. I mean, Sark dealt with this at Texas. And if you have to kind of deal with it at Texas for a couple of years and, and go 13 and 12 in your first two years because your offensive line stinks, imagine how hard it is to turn it over in Lubbock, right? I mean, it, Texas Tech never had a great offensive line, but it's gotten beyond bad. And, and they played three quarterbacks last year, not because they wanted to, but because they couldn't keep them healthy, uh, now they're going into to the fifth game of the year and they're without their starting quarterback again. And so uh, until they get that offensive line fixed, this is what it's going to be at Texas Tech. I, I think Joey McGuire figures it out once he gets a couple recruiting classes under his belt. Uh, he is a really good recruiter. He helped Baylor uh, kind of get back on track after Art Bryles as well. So I, I think that they're going to get it figured out, but it was a little bit too much too soon to think in year two they were ready to compete for a Big 12 championship on a week-in, week-out basis. I think there's still probably a team that's going to beat somebody that, that we don't think that they should beat along the way. Uh, but week-in, week-out, they just don't have the, the guys in the trenches to compete at this level yet. Last thing I want to ask you, and then I'll let you get going about your uh, Tuesday. Mike Craven, senior writer, Dave Campbell's Texas football. Texas State, give them a little shine, a little love. I mean, uh, boy, what a they fell behind 17 nothing to Nevada because of a pick six. It was a 98-yard return. They were going in, and it turns a 14-point swing. Also had a fumble that turned into a touchdown, and they were down at halftime. But, boy, G.J. Kinney showing some chops. They came out of halftime and scored 35 unanswered points, five straight touchdowns over the course of the third quarter into the fourth, and blew Nevada off the field. That was pretty damn impressive. Yeah, so I went to UTSA, and, and when Jeff Trailer started getting it going and started making those comeback wins and started winning games like this, you could just feel that something was changing in the program and you were entering a really fun time to be a roadrunner. Uh, I think that's true. I think that's happening at Texas State. Uh, that 17 and nothing deficit against Nevada, in the past, that's a game that not only does Texas State lose, they probably get embarrassed in the second half. Like, it only gets worse uh, for, for the Bobcats, you know, once they get out of halftime. It's a new day in San Marcos. You know, the way that Coach Kenny and Mac Leftwich and those guys came out on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, they, they erased that 17-point lead by the end of the third quarter. Like, that offense is legit. The defense was good last year. They're playing really good again uh, this year. So that's a legit team in San Marcos. I don't know how uh, winnable the Sun Belt is. I, I still think that they're a couple years away, obviously, from being able to compete with some of those kind of, you know, year-in, year-out programs we know about in the Sun Belt. But they're absolutely an improved football team that's on their way to the first bowl game uh, ever as an FBS program if, if this continues this year. All right, Mike, thanks so much, man. Good stuff. And uh, we'll look forward to our latest podcast dropping on uh, today. It'll come out about uh, mid-afternoon today after we get it edited and 
turned around. It'll be at uh, the YouTube channel at uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football, that Republic of Football podcast network there you guys have. How many of y'all, all 13 schools in Texas have their own podcast, right? Yep, all 13 schools in the FBS have uh, their podcast. We also have a small college podcast, which covers all the, the 35 teams that play below the FBS level. So uh, we got we got the whole state covered uh, from, from the FBS level all the way down to JUCO and Division Three. And tell them how to find that uh, for football junkies who just can't get enough football, you know, especially specific to teams. Yeah, if you go uh, on any, you know, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, I'm a Spotify guy, maybe you're an Apple person, uh, go on there, just type in Republic of Football, and, and that will give you uh, a whole list of all of our podcasts and record and, and follow whichever ones that you like to. Uh, what I think is cool about it is not only can you follow, you know, the team that you enjoy, you can also follow your rival podcast, right? Like if you're about to play that game, you can go kind of get some insider knowledge of who you're going to play next. And so that's been kind of a really cool part of it as well. Yeah, from people on the ground covering those teams. Good stuff. Republic of Football, Dave Campbell's Texas Football uh, website and magazine. Mike Craven is our guy. Uh, appreciate it. Now, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Safe travels. Appreciate you guys. Talk to you all later. All right, there's Craven. And uh, our new podcast, The Eyes on Texas, which we cover the Texas football program, will be out today. It features highlights and Sark Sound and all the recap of the Baylor game. And really, you know, after the Alabama game, the, the whole hour and 10 minutes was all Alabama. This was a little Baylor and then quite a bit of Kansas, actually, and kind of state of the program and Sark's deep dive, you know, you know philosophical thoughts on the program and where it's at. We didn't talk a lot of the Baylor game. I mean, we showed some highlights and individual performances, but, man, it was – that game was I, – I was I thought Texas would cover the spread easily when I saw it at 14. I was even surprised how bad Baylor is. Yeah, once once uh, Jeb Bush sacked him and then uh, I think Byron Murphy got the second sack on that first drive, I was like, I think we're going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I felt, I, that's the first time I felt like overly confident, though. I, you just kind of felt it right there. You're like, these guys aren't going to be able to play with us. Nick Shuley's hanging. We'll come back. We'll pick up these conversations that uh, – Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Appreciate Mike Craven. For the top of the hour, play some Who Said That. No Rod Babers today, though, so Nick and I will play. You like you like Who Said That. You listen to our show. I do. Learn from Mike Craven that you don't say Devin A-Chain, A-Chain. It's, how did he say it? A-Chan. A-Chan. Yeah. A-Chan. All right. Devin A-Chan. Is now the hot waiver wire pickup. Is that how you? That's, that, yeah, that's what Craven just yeah. said that he has announced to, to the, the folks at AM. It's HN or to the Dolphins. They want that it's HN. Well, I'm going to mess up his first name then. We'll call him Devon. Devon HN. <laughs> we'll just change the whole thing. It's not Devon HN. It's Devon HN. There you go. But yeah, pick him up in your fantasy football league if he hasn't already been. Probably just pick up Tank Dell too from the Houston Texans because he's. Uh, quickly becoming C.J. Stroud's favorite target. And he's not the biggest guy, but no one can stay with him. I dropped HN after week one. Oh, dang. He, he and Mostert had a decent decent week this week. I have Mostert. <laughs> is, the, is the Miami offense going to, in like fantasy terms, is it going to kind of become like San Francisco where every week it's someone different, though? It's like Kind of. I mean, but that's, just you want, you, that's why you want two or you want, some, you want somebody on that. Because I have I mean, Tyreek Hill. You take him. Well, I have Waddle too. I just, you know, they're going to score a lot of points, so there'll be a lot of touchdowns each week. That's why it's a struggle in fantasy football to have players on a team that don't score a lot of points. Right? They play play low scoring, like Cowboys. I mean, they're only going to score a few touchdowns a game, and if it's if you have Tony Pollard, who I have, that can become a challenge. Rico Dowdle stole my touchdown. Like, why can't you run that screen pass to Pollard? But uh, either way, 
Uh, that's going to happen. Now, I do see when I went to my fantasy football pickups today that I could pick up the Denver defense. Think I should do that? <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine if you had them last week? <laughs> Negative points. Uh, hey, look at that. Denver's D is available in our league. Let's Oof. go get them. Uh, that, that probably wouldn't go good. Wouldn't go good. But, uh, yeah, that was atrocious. Uh, kind of like you know, we, we talked about the teams that, that aren't very good around the Big 12 and around pro football right now. Cowboys, you're a Cowboys fan. Philadelphia uh, showed out last night, I think. And it's funny, I walked in to, to the start the show with texts from people saying, man, I didn't think Philadelphia looked that good. What? What game were you watching? Uh, I didn't watch it either. I'm not going to lie. Well, hey. you didn't watch it. But, that's, but, so, but don't say they didn't look that good because they went on the road, beat a team that had won their first two games, and outgained them 472 to 174. Oof. Uh, and we're up 25 to three on their field with about whatever eight minutes to go, and they scored a touchdown, and got a two point conversion. I mean, it was completely a dominant performance. Was it the prettiest thing? No, but it was it was dominating. They rushed for 201. They threw for 271. Uh, if not for Jalen Hurts's two interceptions, which he talked about afterwards, they got to clean those up. I mean, they physically manhandled the Buccaneers, who still have some pretty good players. They don't have Tom Brady any longer, Nick, but they got some pretty good dudes. That's an impressive team, and you're a Cowboys fan, so that's that's the team you got to beat. Yeah, <laughs> I think people are saying that because it's 13-3 at half. Like, that's not, you know, it doesn't wow anybody. But when you're, you know, grinding it out like that, when you look at those stats, it's just brutal. They need to make that QB sneak thing illegal. I can't, I can't watch that every week. 29 touchdowns. Why would you make that illegal? What's illegal about it's it? It's unstoppable. Well, then it's not illegal. <laughs> it was illegal for two years ago. Well, then why don't you do it? The bush, the bush push. Just do the play. <laughs> I don't want everybody just to do. I'd rather a fourth down be like it was before. But you can't. But you got to make it legal, illegal on some kind of grounds. It was illegal two years ago. I don't know why they decided all of a sudden that you could push from behind. Yeah, it seems pretty unsafe. I, I to remember me. it was it was a big deal when like in college when. Matt uh, Liner, when Liner, the Bush push. Liner got pushed by Bush because it's a, it's really your your um what's it called your when you stop for a second they blow oh, your whistle. forward progress your forward progress yeah. like it's stopping and you're having someone seconds after by the way I've seen some, a, some cases here's pushing the thing you behind. With it. Here's but, the, but here, they let offensive linemen do it that's what's interesting well here's the thing I've seen a lot of teams try to do this around college college football teams are doing it too uh, Clemson tried to do it last week. They just don't do it as good as the Eagles. It doesn't always work. That's the thing with the Eagles. They have the perfect personnel to run that play. They have a quarterback who is a state record power lifter doing squats when he was in high school at Channel View. They've got Travis Kelsey or Jason Kelsey, who's going to be a Hall of Fame center. They've got two great guards. And then you've got Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is the secret weapon here. This guy is a powerhouse. And not every team wants to risk their quarterback diving in there like yeah. that. But TV, like, if this is about TV and they make rules for 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 viewership, no one wants to watch that happen Dude, every I, single I, week in crucial parts of the game. How many? How many? How much time did the Eagles have? I know I didn't watch the game. I was paying attention on uh, my s- scorecast thing. I'm pretty sure they had the ball for the last like ten minutes of that game. Eight minutes. The clock. Yeah. Wow. Drain the clock. Yeah. Well, and they and they converted at least one of those. I can guarantee you on that drive. That's not super. And fun now, to watch. now you want to no. make it illegal. Yes, it was illegal. Dude, I got it. Why don't we put T Sweat behind Quinn Ewers in goal line and just do it like that? Like, why? why I don't why, trust Quinn Ewers <laughs> to take a snap. <laughs> no, that's yeah, see, I, don't saying, I don't think the Longhorns would run it. I'm saying if you're gonna do it, well, yeah, put in Savvy on red. But if you're gonna do a push like that, why not put in your biggest dude? Put him right behind the quarterback. Yeah, and just well, if you raise him through, yeah. 
I, you put put Micah Parsons on the O line if you're the Cowboys or Mozzie Smith. I don't think you penalize the Eagles because they have the perfect personnel to run that and nobody can stop. I just want to. I've seen a lot of other teams try it and they don't do it nearly as good. I I saw it got stopped get stopped like three times over the weekend. I want to hear the reasoning from the NFL of why it was illegal and why it is now. They have it. You can find it because remember it's been brought up to to the rule changed. I just did. I don't know how you can make that illegal. Uh, because you're allowed, the whole offensive line's allowed can, to push a ball carrier the field, into the yeah. end zone. Yeah, but sometimes sometimes they stop their, their, no, they their, their four I mean, progress at that point, too. That little whistle blows. That's kind of like up to the ref's discretion at that point. Right, but I that's w- legal. If that's legal, this should be legal. But right? how can you, like, they're so... You just don't, you want it to be legal because you can't stop it and they're your nemesis. Although I think of all the teams yes, that could maybe. stop it, the, <laughs> yes, maybe a little bit. the Cowboys line's strong enough, I think, to, to actually do something against that. Do you but. trust Dak? In that kind of position. No, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying reverse. Ever... I'm saying our defense could stop the the offense there. Our line, like Demarcus and all those guys, and Micah. I mean, I like it better than than the Bucks. <laughs> low, man, low man always wins. And I'll say, well, like and again, that. Jason I, Kelsey gets down I, two I inches off the ground. I, it's amazing because again, I will say again, I saw a bunch of teams around football trying to do this this weekend, and they don't do it. It didn't I, work. I agree. And and then there's going to be quarterbacks who won't do it. There's going to be some diva quarterbacks saying the Dolphins would never do that with Tua, right? They just wouldn't, and rightfully so. You don't want a guy get the guy hurt, got head, soft head. No. Um, but to, this is where I think you give credit to Nick Sirianni and to Jalen Hurts if they figure this thing out. It is legal, um, and and again, as long as it's legal to, to for the entire line to shove a ball carrier into the into the yeah, end zone or for a first down, we see that all the time. Then you'd have to make that illegal. Okay, it wouldn't bug me if they didn't change the rule two years ago. If the Eagles got had Jalen Hurts and they just figured out, wow, we're really good at doing this and we can just do it. it it's like when that rule changed, like, oh, let's just try this now that it's legal. And well, I don't know. Okay. But I do get the point that nobody can copy it. So it is something unique yeah. they're doing in some sense. And it's, yeah, I hate and look, that, and it's I, no, yeah. There's no doubt it's a huge part of their offense. I mean, it's a huge part of what they do because it's a four-down territory for them. When they cross midfield – they're going to if they get to fourth down, they're going to do that. Oh, getting that defense off the field, and I can hard. understand that as a fan of another team that being frustrating. But I don't think it's something that you then make illegal. As somebody texted and said, "What are they going to make the two minute drill illegal because nobody can stop Mahomes?" <laughs> that wasn't a, that's oh, <laughs> you know you know well, you're the it one. was a rule that got changed. It's not like I'm just pulling stuff out of my butt right here. Like this is this was a, th- a rule that the NFL. I'll look up and see if I can find the reasoning, but I I still I have never seen it. Why did they change the rule in the first place? Yeah. And they're taking advantage of it while it's legal. I mean, it's like the, the shifts in baseball. They did change that, uh, but that was hurting the product. I don't think this is hurting the product. The uh, the Eagles just know how to do it better than anyone. Have a quarterback that's not only willing to do it. He, he there's kind of a science to it. He's really good at finding <laughs> the hole. I hate that I like Jalen Hurts so much. He just played for all these teams I don't you like. like him? Whole, I do, man. I do like, too. And a, he seems like a good kid. And oh like, man, he's that's why I picked the Eagles back into the Super Bowl. I just think he's a special guy. <laughs> I really do. I just lost my Cowboys card with Ty. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, what's not to like about him other I than agree. the uniform he's worn? I, that's that's my problem. Is I mean, that's all Ty He season. hasn't looked very good this year, I can tell you that much. Well, they're 3-0, and and he's been fine. Because he, you know what? This is what I like. This is the comparison to the Cowboys. They know exactly what their identity is, and they don't. They, they lean into it. That's what they yeah. are. They don't change. I don't know what the Cowboys are yet. I know their defense is – but, but, but were we revealed on Saturday or Sunday that the Cowboys have to play elite defense if they're going to win, even against average teams or below average teams? And Not, until one day they don't play elite defense for a half, 
Because Dan Quinn's unit unacceptable in the first half, but they did get it fixed. Yeah, the second half he looked good. Because like they rushed for – I mean, I do the St. Edwards level math in my head. They had 182 yards in the first half and ended up with 222. Yeah. So the second half, the Cowboys' defense held them to 40 or so yards on the ground. So they fixed it. But then the offense couldn't help bail them out because they couldn't handle the red zone. I know I, you know, defense was a problem. They weren't ready to play, and I think Arizona threw some wrinkles at them that they hadn't seen. They attacked their perimeters. They went right at Mark Parsons. They cut some big plays. But Dan Quinn got that fixed. Yep. And then the offense couldn't bail the, them back the, out of it. The offense hasn't been fixed all year, and that's that's my issue. That's what worries me is we just don't – like we, we haven't shown what we can do anything inside the 20-yard line. That's well. Except that's when a that's when a pre play caller really shows their one hundred percent. And metal. a quarterback. Well, what 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 wins in the red zone? I mean, what we define quarterbacks uh, and in those tiers by third downs, red zone. Uh, why is Tom Brady the greatest quarterback ever? He's probably the best red zone quarterback we've ever seen. Patrick Mahomes, red zone. Uh, and Dak Prescott is he a, an elite quarterback on third down and red zone? Uh, those are again. These are things you have to be able to be not just proficient, but really good at to win tough games in January. And like, at least for one game, that could be your outlier. Well, actually, for the whole season, they've settled for field goals, not touchdowns. Their defense scored a ton of points in that Giants game and set them up for a ton of points. And special they, teams, yeah. They didn't need to score against the Eagles. or They kicked five field goals against the Jets. So, yes, I mean, I praised Mike McCarthy for his play calling between the 20s against the uh, Jets because they – Controlled the ball for 42 minutes. They have a quick passing game. But, look, this is the NFL. They're going to figure that out pretty quick. They're all going to try to figure out what this Tex Coast offense thing is, too. And the more they see of it, the more they'll know how to attack it. Is Mike McCarthy ready to play off of that? Yeah. And Good luck attacking our kicker, though. He's, you know, I think that's – Might be that's... the best kicker in the NFL right now. <laughs> it's incredible. All right, Aaron, if you were a Cowboys fan, what would your worry level be at from 1 to 10? Worry about who? Just the team, the overall of this after year. after a loss to the cow or after the Cardinals, you know, riding high. Uh, going well, into the last no, week. I just it just confirmed why I think the Eagles and Niners are better than them. Mm-hmm. And, and last night confirmed it to me because the Eagles did last night what the Cowboys should have done to Arizona. Uh, if it's an ugly win, you go in on the, and Arizona was an zero and two team. Tampa Bay was two and zero, and had won some. They went into Minnesota and got a victory. They I mean that that team had won two ball games. And you went in there if you're Philadelphia and put 470 on the ground or 470 on the board to their 174. They couldn't move the ball. You moved at will. And um, so yes, and that, the Niners are kind of the same way. They're just there aren't a lot of holes. Their identities are firm. Uh, and the only thing that derails either of those teams would be an injury, right? If Christian McCaffrey were to get hurt or Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, and that's you know, Cowboys took the biggest injury of those three teams so far. I mean, by far, the Trayvon Diggs injury was brutal. Uh, that's that's a bad injury for yeah. them uh, because it takes your one of your three or four best players off the field for the year, and it also changes how you can play defense. See, that guy shuts down one full side of the field, and you know he's you're not throwing over at Trayvon Diggs because you know, it, it's interesting that he gets hurt the week where Rod did a Rod's rant deep dive on Trayvon Diggs and just how much better he's got his technique as a corner. He's always been a tremendous athlete with long arms, uh, the great feet, the speed, and a ball hawk. He always was trying to go get the ball and then create those interceptions, but he would also give up big plays, and the league knew that about him, that, all right, we may give up some to him, but we're going to get some on him. Uh, Rod was pointing out, watching his technique, watching how he's – they're not even going to mess with him because now he's he's primed his game uh, with the practice and with the uh, the work on it that now there's really not a hole in him, and they're not getting the test. So now you're shutting down a side of the field, which means – you know, offenses are, are 
you know, there's half the field they aren't going to use. That's tough. And I don't know if that played into some of what we saw the other night or the other, against Arizona or that was just one bad game. But I, I think at the end of the day, the defense was disappointing because you gave up those yards in the first half. Second half, the offense failed. Yeah, the I offense agree. failed, Nick. I think we're going to learn a lot about this team next week. I'm not ready to hit the the rib court, but I'm not ready to change what I said before the season, which is I think we'll do. I think we'll make it probably make it to the playoffs this year and not win a game in the playoffs. Ooh, okay. that's that's kind of where I've been at. Like that, and it's not what I want, but I don't have any reason to believe we're going to be better than this year because I think our team isn't as talented as last year. Although I think our defense got better, but now without Diggs, we're definitely not better than we were. Well, they won a game in the playoffs last year. I know they did. That's they, why I they, think we're going to do worse than we did. I think we'll make it to the playoffs and lose. And I think the um, I hate that, but and I think the uh, the New England game won't be pretty. Um, but don't discount Bill Belichick. I mean, just because they're one and two, um, you know, they their losses are to two of the undefeated teams. There are only three of them. They lost, and both of those games were one score games. Uh, the, the, after falling behind early, they came back and almost beat the Eagles and the Dolphins. That was twenty four seventeen was your final score. Uh, both in Foxborough, so they're coming on the road. I'm not saying the Cowboys shouldn't beat New England. But I would never sleep on Bill Belichick. Uh, no, that's just no way. Um, and the Cowboys showed on Sunday you can't sleep on anybody in this league because it felt like they did, and that's on McCarthy. Uh, as much as the play calling, not kicking a field goal when you when you had it late in that game that hurt you later, um, you know those things. But just having your team ready to play, mentally focused, locked in, uh, taking team serious that's that's a huge part of that job. Twelve penalties in the first half tells you how mentally prepared 12. they were for that game. That's insane. I mean, I was losing my mind. And how many of them were pre-snap? Uh, probably four or five yeah a ton of them i think i think i got muted off our friend text our cowboys text because of how mad i was oh i i upset some people yeah me Sunday. too i lost some friends i, I was being uh, taking things very personal yeah as I, you were <laughs> as you will do i called him after the game and he didn't answer so we're coming you know, back when we do who said that we'll have some audio maybe uh you you gotta try to guess who it is also we'll talk more uh longhorn kansas coming into the next hour here from sark yesterday's game week news conference all part of a Five-hour extravaganza, five days a week. It's Hook Em Up with Ian Rod B. If you're asking where's Rod, Rod is doing daddy duty. His wife gave birth to a beautiful six-pound, eight-ounce baby last night, so we're rooting for them and sending all our well wishes to the to the Babers family. We're coming back. Ian Rod B. Ooh, Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Time for Who Said That and play some audio and see if Nick or I can guess who it is or vice versa and we'll give it to each other. Quick note here, we're talking about the Cowboys and the Patriots this week. Ty, how about this? This comes down today. Cowboys are worried about the Patriots learning their signals ahead of the Week 4 game because the Patriots and Bill Belichick have done something they do often. They signed Will Greer last week. <laughs> Will Greer, who was the Cowboys' uh, star of the preseason, and he is uh, now a member of the uh, the Patriots. I love Bill Belichick. We've seen Belichick do this a lot. He's, bring he's a, awesome. Uh, and Will Will obviously knows, but in fact, the Cowboys are talking about it already. Knows you got to change them up, but that's probably not a good thing if you're talking. You're matching wits, Mike McCarthy versus Don, uh, Bill Belichick. Uh, you know, any any advantage? What can Will Greer? What are you teach? trying to say about Big Mac? <laughs> he's not Bill Belichick. He, he, if you're asking me who's going to be able to match wits. Um, Is anybody in the NFL? Well, and it, I wouldn't put. Well, yeah, Andy Reid <laughs> uh, and Nick Sirianni beat him head to head on on week one. But uh, yeah, I just put that out there. Uh, keep that in mind. That's why I say don't sleep on the Patriots. And I don't think any Cowboy fans sleeping on anybody right now, based on what we just saw. Because you know what, I'll say that I that that surprised me 
that uh, the Cowboys' defense played. And that's what Dan Quinn said yesterday. Dan Quinn was like, we just didn't play with this with the speed and the energy it was going to take. And that's that's on me. And he was dang dang angry. But I will say for Dan Quinn, he did fix it at halftime. Uh, they did get it right. And after giving up 180 on the ground, they gave up 40 on the ground in the second half. And like 30 of those yards were on the last drive. Yeah. They had like 10 yards total. And the I, do, I do believe chance. in Quinn. Well, and look, here's the thing. The <laughs> offense had every chance. Guess who fell behind the Cardinals 20 to nothing the week before? The Giants. And Daniel Jones brought them all the way back. Daniel Jones brought it back to win the game. So, I mean, the Cardinals have been in in the lead going into the fourth quarter in all three games of theirs. The Cowboys had to know that. But in the end, it was play calling and your quarterback that couldn't get it done. And, again, three offensive linemen out. I get it. But it is cause for concern, without a doubt, then to see what the Eagles did last night to improve to 3-0. and Because, uh, again, that's who you're compared to. That's the team. you. Those are teams you have to beat to achieve your goal, which is you know, trying to get to a Super Bowl. Uh, here's what Dan Quinn said. Dan said, uh, saw a lot yesterday that upset me. Hurt as well, but I think one thing, one of the things that probably felt uh, like five fingers across my face. <laughs> hey, man, you guys don't look like your defense. The reason was probably that I felt like we didn't play to the standards we've been set uh, with our excellence looks like, and I've seen over the last couple of weeks. So when it happens, you certainly feel upset about it, uh, and he's going to get it fixed. So I'd expect the Mac Jones to have a long long game on Sunday, but we'll see if the Cowboys can do enough against Bill Belichick's defense. All right, so uh, can I play this? Who said this? I think you'll know pretty quickly. But uh, this is a little long cut, but it's all based on what's going on right now in college football with these coaches talking, receipts being held, and Colorado uh, stirring things up. Here is uh, from yesterday. Who is this? What a great scene it's going to be here at Austin State. Sorry. What, what, you want to, You sent me Dan Lanning? Is that? Oh, I thought you had it already. Come on, Ty. <laughs> Oh, you wanted the one from yesterday? Yes. Okay, sorry. Rooted in substance, not flash. Rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet, right? Every moment. The Cinderella story is over, man, right? They're fighting for clicks. We're fighting for wins. There's a difference, right? There's a difference, right? This game ain't going to be played in Hollywood. It's going to be played on the grass, right? It's going to be played on the grass. All right, so that was Saturday, right? And now we've seen the video come out that we tried to play earlier, but the audio's not good, and there's a lot of cussing in it. <laughs> you uh, need the of, subtitles of, of on Colorado that. players, including Shadur or Shiloh Sanders, just uh, dog cussing the uh, Oregon players before the game, saying, I'll, I'll you know, kick any one of y'all's you-know-whats. They're all small. Too. Yeah. You guys are all small, dancing on the O. They were doing the dance on the O. And so that, so that, and Landing saw all that. The, the Oregon coaches saw it all, and that led to that pregame speech. Well, then that pregame speech led to, you know, the shows they do on TV these days, which are all people yelling, Skip Bayless and all these Stephen A. Smith. And Skip Bayless took Dan Lanning to task for that, for whatever reason. I don't know. Skip's an idiot. Um, and Clicks. so here is a, a Dan Lanning's press conference. I know this is who said that, but I'm revealing it because there's a question of Dan Lanning of something Skip Bayless said, which is kind of weird, but it did lead to a pretty good piece of sound. Coach, there's been a lot of talk of nationally about your pregame speech and your aggressive play calling. I think uh, Skip Bayless called it venomous vengeance. Um, just curious what your thoughts are on that and kind of how your words have been skewed a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't know Skip at all. Um, I've never had a conversation with him. Um, it, I, I've watched him enough to know how often he gets it wrong. So, I mean, that sounds about right. But, I mean, ultimately, here's what I say. We're playing to win the game. 
right? And you saw a 15-second clip uh, from a window view outside the house of what happens in the locker room, right? I, I know our locker room. I'm in the house 100% of the time. I know how our players felt um, going into that game. And I know what it takes to motivate our players. That's my job, to motivate our players, right? He has a job. I have a job, too, um, to get out there and to perform on the field. But inside that house, they felt a certain way. They felt a certain way about a group stomping on the O. They felt a certain way uh, about guys talking to them in the pregame. And I'm proud of those guys because what they decided to do is talk with their pads, right? They didn't want to do all, anything extra afterwards. They want to talk with their pads, and they did that on Saturday. I'm also um, grateful and, and can clearly acknowledge that the attention that we got this Saturday in large part was due to, uh, due to Dion and what he's doing to college football. And if anybody can't see what he's done for college football and how he's bringing excitement to college football, you're crazy, right? And I said that last week as well. Um, he's done a lot for the game. He's, he's building something over there. I think that's really, really clear. Uh, there's no secret there. But it, it wouldn't matter if I was playing my 10-year-old uh, son on the other sideline. I'm going to do everything I can to win. If I'm playing Bill Belichick, I'm going to do everything I can to win. Did I go for it on fourth down? Yeah, I have every game this year. Right, I've gone for it nine times. Did I go for a two-point conversion? Yeah, I've done it three out of the four games this year. And if, if we play again tomorrow, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to do everything I can to win a game and everything I can to motivate my team. So, um, you know, that's, that to me is classless, what, what, you know, what he's saying there, but I'm, I'm not really worried about it. All right, so – and I don't get – I didn't see Skip Bayless's comments. He is an idiot. By the way, speaking of who said that, I, I'm going to find this sound for you. So, um, Shannon Sharp – Spoke, spoke publicly uh, this week on a podcast with Stephen A. Smith, who he now works with, uh, publicly about working with Skip Bayless and confirmed that there were he almost came across the table at him a couple of times and uh, pretty revealing. Skip Bayless is a jerk. Skip Bayless always has been a jerk. I met him when I was covering Cowboys camp in college. I mean, he was such – when he was with the Dallas Morning News, and that's when he wrote the book kind of alluding to uh, Troy Aikman being gay, which got him pretty much run out of the Metroplex uh, at the time. And obviously he's used his style of – journalism to grow and make a lot of money. Good for him. Stephen A. does the same thing, though. I know. Um, <laughs> True. But, uh, <laughs> but not to not to skip Bayless's level, I don't believe. I'm not a big Stephen A. Smith. I don't watch any of those shows. But let me say this. I don't know what – I don't understand Skip's point of venomous vengeance. What does that even mean? That venomous like, vengeance? Is that like playing to win? Yeah. <laughs> and they, they – by the way, they won 42-6 to six and they scored seven points in the second half. They could have scored 100 points if they wanted to. It was 42-6 to six at the half. They scored seven points in the second half. The way that was going, that thing would have been in the 80s at least. Oh, and it, it, so what do you mean venomous vengeance? I want to play one other cut, uh, and I'm not going to play the rules of who said that because I just want to set this up because it's an interesting piece of sound. So the new head coach at Auburn, and I've said since Auburn hired Hugh Freeze that they should have hired Deion Sanders. I was saying it when it was open. Why don't you hire Deion Sanders? Why don't you hire Deion Sanders? Why are you hiring a retread and a cheater like Hugh Freeze? Well, how about this? They're already a little bit frustrated with Hugh in year one because fan bases get impatient with a first-year coach. But um, he lost A&M pretty ugly last week, and they're off to a rough start. And here somebody asked about Kirby Smart, and uh, Dan Lan- – I mean, uh, Hugh Freeze doesn't really have the, the timeline of Kirby Smart's dominance at Georgia very well. Listen to uh, Hugh. I don't know how long it took him. I don't know. What did it take him, three years or so to to get there or four years? I, I don't know. Some of y'all could, could do the research, but – all right, there you go. Uh, Kirby Smart was in the championship year. game in two years. <laughs> that's – I don't know that that's accurate, but um, – No, it is. No, it is. Uh, anyway, so um, he did it pretty fast then. That's that's pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to say, no, just like where it's going to take us a while. 
walk that one back. Yeah, I, I don't know. know about that. He said, I don't think that's accurate. <laughs> yeah, Kirby Smart was in the national title game in year two at Georgia. Jeez. Year two. Now, he came into a much better situation, like like the Sark inherited here, or because um, Georgia was pretty good. They just couldn't get over that hump. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, year two, they played for the national championship and lost to Alabama in the Tua game, right? When Tua came in for Hurts and won the national championship. That was year two. So, yeah, Hugh Freeze. Why didn't they hire Dion? I still don't understand. I'm happy Colorado did. I think it's great for college football. I agree with Dan Landing on that. But man, that would have been trying to separate from the SEC. Gosh, what a game changer that could have been for them. Still could happen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, no, no, he's going higher than that now. They could have had him first. That's true. That's true. We come back. Uh, final fabulous fifth hour of the fifth quarter. Never know what's going to happen there. We do know we're talk Texas football, talk some Cowboys, and uh, Nick Shuley is here. Nick Shuley was at a wedding over the weekend that you're going to want to hear about. You're going to want to, I mean, to be a fly on the wall at the uh, the wedding Nick Shuley was at. I'll tell you about it coming next year on Hook Him Up with Ian Rodby.